Hello, my uh, people. Hello, the people who are listening to this. Welcome to Nick Flanagan Weekly. I am Nick Flanagan. Uh, Am I feeling weak right now? Don't know. My voice seems like it might be a little weak, but that just means it's time for a drink of water. Off air. Because a guy reviewed this podcast and said they didn't like that I drank on air. So sometimes to defy him... I will drink on air, but today I'm going to be kind to him. You will hear no drinking, person who probably isn't listening because you gave the podcast one star. Thank you for joining me. I really hope you're well, and it is an exciting day on the podcast because my conversation from March 2021 is finally coming out. It's ready for your ears. In August 2021. So, that's fine. I finally got through the chat. It's actually got to it, really. It didn't take me that long to actually listen and edit. In fact, it's not very edited. Because I love the conversation that much. It uh, it just took me a while to get to. So please forgive me. Because the person I'm talking to today, Chris Estrada is someone you could watch on HBO. He's on a special called Entre Nos. Entre Nos. There's my attempt at Spanish. I should have taken the time to learn. I have not. And he just had a pilot picked up by Hulu called Punk Ass Bitch. He's a comedian. Chris Estrada is an L.A.-based comedian who is super funny. I mean, really, it was so cool being in Los Angeles for this period of time where his stand-up was just like uh, really blossoming and and blowing up and it it was great to see because I'd met him a few years earlier and he had been introduced to me pretty much as a dyed-in-the-wool punk rocker. That's right. Chris Estrada is is a major music buff. I mean... Punk is definitely a big part of it, but it seems like he has appreciation for a lot of different music, and and we get into that. In the podcast, we talk a lot about a lot of different music things. It really was a... It's a long conversation, but I did not find a place to really cut down, because except for every time I talk, but uh, don't worry about it, just 1.5 speed when I talk. And... Because it really felt like when you're on a drive, especially when you're in a band, you know, you're in the back seat and you just wind up having something to talk about for 90 minutes. And and it's such a great feeling if you've done that. And that was what this talk with Chris felt like for me. I don't know if it felt like that for him. You'd need to ask him. He is on Twitter. I feel like that's, if you blow up his mentions with that question, he probably couldn't be any happier. So find Chris on Twitter, find Chris on Instagram, make sure you pay attention to what he's doing and watch his stand-up and enjoy my conversation. Hello. Chris Estrada. Hey, what's up, Paul? How you doing? Uh, oh, Chris, you look so clean and nice and I look filthy. Oh, no, you look great, man. I'm so sorry for running late. <laughs> it's okay. Is everything all right? Oh, yeah. Everything's good. Or Everything's good to go. What's cracking with you? How you been? I'm okay. Uh, yeah. you, you know, I'm uh, dog sitting right now until the end of March. Yeah. Um, in Toronto. How's everything in Toronto? 
that's cool. It's weird, you know. Yeah. Did I ever tell you I I lived there for six months? I don't know if you told me that. Yeah. I don't, I, I don't know. That's weird because we had ago. enough conversations. Yeah, years ago, years ago, before even stand up, I had a job out there, and I work. I, I lived in the, um, I lived in the Danforth. Oh, cool, Greek town. Yeah, Greek town, right yeah. in the Danforth, right over. You know where Broadway or Broadview is? Broadview, yes, very Broadview. Well. Yeah, yeah, right, kind of right by in the corner, almost by the park. When was that? And two thousand eleven. Wow, that was. Yeah. Uh, I was almost in my twenties at that time. Yeah. <laughs> it was crazy. It was, it was a it was a dope time. It was like it was a cool ass city. I went to a show when I was out there. I bet. Uh, yeah. I, on Blur Street, I saw Wire. You saw Wire. I wonder if I was at that. Was it on Lee's Palace? Possibly. I think so. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Wow. I yeah. love that record. Chairs missing. Everyone oh yeah, has... all of them. Those. <laughs> yeah. All the, oh. the the albums are great. Even when they came back, like in the early two thousands, that record was good. Yeah, that that was real good. I but yeah, everything that. from like Pink Flag to Chairs Missing and One Fifty Four. That's like a that's yeah. perfect trilogy of albums right there. Yeah, and and Chairs Missing for me, there's something about the sequencing of it that just like yeah. makes me insane. Because I had like a nice vinyl copy I bought. Probably there was a really good uh, um, store called Hits and Misses in in uh, Toronto. That I think that's a Buzzcock song. Or something but yeah this guy pete owned it he used to work uh live in vancouver and uh oh. i remember i bought it there yeah t- 2011 is kind of like a nice time to have lived in toronto it was probably affordable yeah. to an american it was cool uh, yeah i saw i saw devo at north by northwest oh was that outside was that the yep. outside show yeah yeah that's so cool man i saw devo as well i think i saw that show i know mm-hmm. i saw um uh the descendants at yep. that. And it was I the saw, same one i yeah, saw them so too it must have been at that show and i believe yeah. smith and wesson opened up the whole thing and yep. they're one of yep. my favorite uh rap yeah. groups actually yeah they were and Man, what a what a crazy ass thing that's so funny like the coincidences i also saw the stooges i had this weird thing where suddenly i got to see a bunch of old bands a bunch of times like bands i never thought i'd see again like i saw the stooges twice with each lineup with mike I, watt uh, I saw the Mike Watt uh, show. Was he? He was still in the band, I think. Wasn't he in the band for the? Uh, he was in the band, for, but I mean the one where it was like uh, the Ashton brothers, Ron and Scott Ashton, the original oh. guitarist and drummer, and yeah. then and then uh, what's his name? Uh, James Williamson. James Williamson, exactly. Yeah. Uh, in the other lineup, so I got to see them do that song, "Open Up and Bleed," which was always one of my favorites. Jesus, and, man. I mean, just that. I- yeah, and fucked yeah, up. I think opened that. that or something like wow. I, you know, and it's just like they opened both shows yeah. or at least one. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I, I saw Devo technically three times. Like I saw them yeah. do Freedom of Choice all the yep. way through. Are we not men all the way through? I somehow yeah. got into two of those shows, and then uh, I saw that show at at North by Northeast. Yeah, it was I wish great. it were called North by Northwest. That's like a much. Cool oh yeah, my bad, my bad. Uh, yeah, yeah, it was. No, North no, by I North wish East. it were called yeah. that though. So good, yeah, yeah. if any. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> nice to see you. Nice to see you too, man. Oh, I don't you, know. you know, I forgot uh, to ask you. It, 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 do you have a format to the podcast? I, uh, I mean, I, I wish I had a format. Oh. I mean, oh, uh, no, I mean, I, I wrote some questions down. Uh, mm-hmm. I like to talk about. Um, 
you know, things we have in common. You know, I, I get into like mental health stuff, but that's oh, like, yeah. you know, if you want to talk about that stuff, I'm so yeah, I'm down. totally open to it. I'm, I'm open to anything, music, whatever you want to talk yeah, about. Yeah, well, it sounds it. like we might just wind up having like one of those classic, uh, what is it? Mm-hmm. It's like 11 at p.m. now. Yeah. Oh, I also yeah. I also gave your name. Uh, we have guests or I don't mm-hmm. know, do on this stream. Do you know that mm-hmm. I do this streaming thing on Tuesdays with like Chris no, Fairbanks and uh, Maggie May and all these different. Oh, shit. Humans. I didn't know that. Yeah, we have the same manager and huh. um, she organized Jessica Kelly organized this really cool stream. And we're starting to have people come in uh, and do like appearances, sometimes even do a comedy set, like at a completely safe location or whatever. Oh, nice. So, I mean, if you, uh, want to be involved in that, I, oh, yeah. I could I would be down. You know, do an appearance or something. I'll, I can yeah. just pass her your email. Oh, yeah, absolutely. By all means. Yeah. I okay. appreciate that. Oh, dude. Yeah. No, I mean, like, uh, it's, it's just, so first of all, I feel like this is the most lit situation we've ever conversated in quite possibly i don't oh, know yeah. if ever had yeah, it. i know it's a, yeah <laughs> where are you I got, uh, uh I, I moved in with my with my lady back in uh together in october we're living in los Feliz. oh yeah i figured yeah living living in los Feliz. so yeah just been here fucking posted up fucking quarantine you know yeah what do people ever call it los do you like what is the Los Feliz Los Feliz thing? As oh, you, 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 you're I, a native Angelina. You're a yeah, yeah. I was born and raised here. Yeah. I say Los Feliz just because uh, I'm just you know I'm Mexican, so I'm used to speaking Spanish at home, and I grew up speaking Spanish, so it comes mm-hmm. natural to me to just say oh Los Feliz. Yeah. But, uh, or uh, well, Los Feliz is actually it, it depends. People who say Los Feliz. Yeah. are probably saying it more accurately like Funny. because it's yeah as we're i don't know it's either or you know how yeah. has the spanish language uh um changed like w- from in la specifically do you know what i mean like is there a specific kind of like way of uh, speaking probably spanish, yeah even outside of mexico or or oh yeah Latin definitely America? definitely well i feel like spanish is different in la for different people so like for example i mean the spanish you're probably going to hear them there's three main latino groups out here is mexicans salvadorans and guatemalans mm-hmm. and each one has their own accent and each one has their own accent uh, you know, it's Mexicans the most and Salvadorans and Guatemalans, and they all have their own accent. Everybody sounds a little different. I think um, Guatemalans and Salvadorans probably their Spanish might be a little more similar. It, mm. uh, it's it's a little more Castilian or comes from. It's a little more derived sure. from from Spain, as where Mexican Spanish kind of isn't. So, but also it depends on the regions. Like you meet. You might meet a dude in East LA and he sounds like a total East LA guy, mm-hmm. you know, and that's because he learns English from other Latinos. And then, and like, if you, if you go to, if you think of places like South Central, Compton, uh, Inglewood, uh, in Watts, Long Beach, uh, the Latinos there, they learn, they learn English from the black kids that they grow up with in TV. Right. So sometimes they sound a little different. Like, yeah. or at least to me, I can tell the difference a little bit. Sometimes. Are you from East L.A.? No, uh-uh. Where I, grew are you up, from? Uh, I grew up in Inglewood and then South Central as well. 
Cool. So it's like, mm-hmm. is that like where, say, Cypress Hill are from? Or are they yeah, East yeah, LA? Yeah. yeah. No, no, they're, they're from that area. Oh. Absolutely. Is I, I mean, one of the most, uh, I, I am a huge uh, hip hop uh, yeah, fan. Oh, cool. Yeah. Happy yeah. belated birthday, DJ Quick. Oh, yeah, He's, I know. And E40 was a few days ago, too. That's crazy. And today is Lady of Rage's birthday. Man, <laughs> I oh. have a Facebook uh, group. That's so that funny. Apparently, I engage with a lot because it's yeah. always posting. But um, and I always, you know, I remember there was some kind of almost a re- not a revisionist, but there was a period where Twitter politics or something started getting yeah. into Latinos using uh, the N word. Oh yeah, that's true. Absolutely. Yeah. And I thought of I that was something I'd never considered because I'd always just listened to. Um, you know, East Coast and West Coast rap. And yeah. uh, it was like Puerto Rican, you know, Big Pun from... Big Pun, Fat, Fat Joe, Joe, Terror Squad, I mean, yeah, it just yeah. goes on and on to the point, you yeah. know. Uh, uh, and, and so I, I felt like there is... It, it felt to me like it was a losing battle <laughs> to yeah, try well, and, and... and I think there was a re-examination of it. You know, I kind of... I didn't grow up so using it. Yeah, uh, I just just didn't feel like it's my word to, to use. You know, it's yeah. also like it's just loaded, so yeah. I, it's like a loaded word. Also, it was probably a little different because when when I was growing up, there was a there was a more racial tension between Latinos and blacks. Uh-huh. So one thing it was like, hey, don't you know, don't use that word, or it, you know, or it was like we got our own words. Let's you know. We we don't have to use their words. Like we we don't have to say them. Or we could call each other fool. Hey, what's up, fool? You know, like <laughs> stuff like that. So, and, and I still feel that way because it's so loaded. Because you know, sometimes um, I always tell people, like I had my I, I heard my cousin. But see, the thing is, it's different. I just think it's all contextual. I guess because mm-hmm. my cousin grew, my cousin hangs, my younger cousin, all his friends are black. He hangs out with black kids. They love him. He loves them. He uses it with them mm-hmm. and they don't trip. Yeah. I told him, I said, hey, if you want to talk like that around your homies, do that. But don't say that shit around other other black people because they have a right to feel the way they feel. Yeah. And, and they the, the context is. Uh, the context is gone then. The context is gone. And also the context. I mean, for him, the context is good. And I think. You know, mm-hmm. you do run into this with with people who grow up in certain environments. From you know, I, I've listened to the Snow song in Former a lot. Yeah, lately. yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and one of Toronto's earliest like oh, huge yeah. uh, hip hop reggae kind of songs. Yeah, and uh, he's got that thing at the end, and I don't even know if he's speaking Jamaican patois or just like a patois yeah. that yeah. was allowed for him to sort of invent because he mm. was in that community. But he's yeah. like, people say, you know, they don't know where I'm from, but I'm, you know, I'm from where I forget where he's from. But he's like, black and brown people, the only ones I know, you know. And I'm, yeah, so, yeah. so it's like, uh, that's fine, but it's true. If if snow were to sort of crash land in. Yeah, I don't know. Some somewhere weird. No, nah, I, I don't really know. I just I think people would. There's like if I started doing it, my my thing that my biggest regret was like I would have black friends be like, I love it in this rap song where he says like this line. Yeah, I wouldn't yeah, edit yeah. myself and like yeah, of course, yeah. They didn't like outwardly mind, and it was like a long time ago. But I I would have just not done it because it's yeah, like, yeah. 
Yeah, I think there's a re-examination of it. I think, you know, it's interesting for like, if you think of like guys like Cypress Hill. Also, mm-hmm. what's interesting is comparable to New York, because of the density of New York, I think Puerto Ricans and and Black Americans grew up hand in hand in the same building and the same neighbors. Yeah, places was, like the Bronx, you know. Bronx, you yeah. know, they, they talked a little more, I think, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Puerto Ricans came knowing English. I think in L.A., what you got was you got a lot of first generation, uh, first generation Mexican kids, first generation Central American kids who were mm-hmm. growing up with immigrant parents. I think the the racial tension was a little high. I think, I think, I think some of our black neighbors didn't understand why why we were here. Yeah, and I don't think some of our parents understood black history in America. Yeah. So, you know, I think shit like that causes little beefs, you know? And I grew up like my high school had race riots. Wow. So it was like, it was like, uh, was yeah, that it was the pretty 90s or the 2000s? Oh, yeah. yeah. Late 90s, yeah. 2000s. Uh, so, you know, you would have gangs that it would be, it would be beef gang, uh, street, gang beef in the streets. And somehow it would always, you know, trickle down into the high school with the, we had gang members in high school. Yeah. You have like, you'd have like a race riot where it'd just be like, I mean, I went to a school of like, I went to, uh, I went to high school in Inglewood. And so it's, you know, it's a black and Latino neighborhood, urban neighborhood. So it would just break up. Like say we had 3000 students, half of the school when there was a race riot would break like a C. Like you'd get all the Latino kids here, all the black kids here. And not all of them, because not everybody fought, you know? But uh. then you, I mean, on some brave heart shit, they just run at each other like, <laughs> bam, like, That's it was. Horrible. It's horrible. It's horrible. It's crazy. <laughs> you know what's so crazy? I, um, when speaking about hip hop, one of my teachers, he, he was a rapper. He was associated with like dilated peoples. Uh-huh. And, and he was, he was actually, I always tell my girlfriend this. She says I should make this a joke, but. One of my teachers ended up appearing on uh, the Chronic 2001. Oh my God! Which guy? What was his uh, name his, on Chronic? His name's, uh, his name's Defar I. Oh yeah, I totally yeah. know that name. Yeah, I, he, was I on, mean... he was on Tommy Boy Records. He yeah. released a few albums with released a few albums. He was fucking a he great had guy. A alcoholics connection. Yeah, I yeah, yeah. Also. He, he, Yep, he was part yeah. of like the Liquid Crew Sophia and all that shit and all that yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah yep. no, I know this shit. And yeah. you know, if we're talking about Latino hip hop, my yeah. uh, Latin ex hip hop. Speaking of reincarnation, yeah. but, um, oh, it's all good. Yeah, yeah. I don't even. I don't. I, I don't yeah. even use it, but it's, I don't mind those who do. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Uh, live and let live. I say. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but yeah. but, <laughs> um, I for some reason there's this line from Kid Frost's hit song La Raza oh, that, yep, yep. that sticks in my head. Mm-hmm. Must have been hit too many times in the head with a balo. Yeah, that's so <laughs> I just funny. Think about the word balo, and I love it. I don't know why. Is it a is that a specific yeah. kind of ball or just a that's ball? So funny. You know, it just to me it sounds like a very specific. Just a ball. Yeah, balo, love it. But yeah, yeah I, so I, I never. It, hmm? So I was gonna say I was thinking about I, I've been I've been on a hip hop kick because I, I don't know if you read comic books, but I'm going through Ed Pisker's uh, Hip Hop Family Tree series. No, I would love to read that from the sound. You gotta of read it. it. Ed Pisker's like this amazing car- cartoonist, and he's doing he does stuff for Fanographics and Marvel and stuff. But he he came out of the indie world, uh, indie comic book world, and he did this 
he did a four-part trilogy called The Hip-Hop Family Tree, where he does a comic book out of the history of hip-hop from Amazing. 19... From 1970, from I, I want to say 1978 to 1984. Yeah, like Cool Herc, even. Yeah, all yeah. that shit, Cool Herc, all those. Yeah, it's pretty That's crazy. It's great. a good book. I, yeah, I, I love, I, I should read that. I, I love, um, especially because people are dying here and there. It seems yeah. like, like MF Doom the other, uh, oh, dude, you know. That's heartbreaking. Yeah, and, and it's just like, you know, some of the, I, I do have that old guy mentality of like, I really don't want hip hop's like formative, like the history needs to be, um, what would you call it? Like linear, like people need to understand how it all fits to yeah. create, you know, Lil Xan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. why you know, even Bobby Shmurda, uh, yeah, Bobby Shmurda is like a great example to me of like a guy who is a New York rapper, even the ASAP mob, and they have something to do, you know, stylistically. Mm-hmm. You could almost track it back to yeah. like Sean Price, and then into, yeah. and back yep. into you know, cool rap deep. and Mob yeah. Deep, and and yep. um, oh, you talk about it. I think about Prodigy for Mob Deep far too much. Oh yeah, that guy was what, amazing. What a loss, man! What a loss! Huge losses. Yeah. So many. Fucking this loss. is this is the worst time you know. <laughs> time I period know. for this I stuff. I mean, yeah, I like to do the same with punk rock too. Like I always try to make sense of things. Yeah, that's what, I, that's what I love about it. Like uh, you could do it with hip hop, you could do it with punk rock, or there's even that really fucking great documentary on like heavy metal. It was this dude, uh, this archaeologist. He was like, a, I think he was an archaeologist. Headbangers Journey. Oh yeah, called. that's uh, Banger Films. Yeah. That's another Toronto, uh, Toronto oh, yeah. company. Yeah, they they oh, did. Shit. It, I also did the hip hop evolution show. Oh, um, I love yeah. that show. Yeah, yeah, the, yeah. Metal uh, Headbangers Journey. Journey. Yeah, yep. um, yeah. Loved that it. that is. Uh, I mean, there is a lot of uh, basically any uh, movement, you know, has like isn't it, there's it's not vacuums. It's like a weird yeah. combination of things like with like classic, you know, folk or like that kind of stuff or funk, oh, you yeah. know, the same people playing on, on different records or oh, yeah. covering like songs. I, like I think what's so crazy to me is sometimes like uh like I'll get into the pop, like what a germ like D beat music has been, like D beat like discharge of course, yeah. type of like anarcho like that kind of shit where you're just like damn there's like there's so many Japanese bands mm-hmm. that are like influenced by D beat just by like, yeah the, the like a literally a drum like nope. like a rhythm is uh, yeah. created a genre and that's also not like if you just put it that. Generally, it's like, oh, that's happened forever. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Know? It's kind of And amazing. then you find out that, like, those DB dudes, like, Discharge was, they were influenced by the fast drumming from uh, from the first Buzzcocks album. Right. All right. Yeah. Pete Shelley. Oh, I know. Man. And then, and then Pete Shelley, like, I, right, not when he died, but, but maybe, like, a few years before that, I found out about, like, his... Uh, solo album and that song homo sapien which is about bisexuality like uh it's it's so deep i mean i love when you kind of realize with musicians and and artists like just how much of who they are goes into what they do which which sounds you know a little bit like uh obvious but it, it it isn't you know yeah 
Because in comedy, I just feel like when we're mad about comedy, we just think it's all fake. <laughs> I know, I know. Because you know? everyone, yeah. like we have our script of, of who we are sometimes. Yeah. It can, it can yeah. feel that way, you know? Yeah, sometimes, I mean, even though I, I love jokes and I love and the idea of having an act, mm-hmm. like I can see how sometimes if you really boil it down, it feels stupid. It goes, I have an act. That's not funny. <laughs> I need to, you know what I mean, and then and then you see somebody go up there and be like completely off the cuff funny, and yeah. you go, "I'm an idiot. What am I doing? I'm not even fucking funny." And There's like, someone like you know, Brody Stevens, yeah, or something, like the perfect example know? of that, yeah. where it's like so visceral, and then you just go, "Ah, oh, have I ever been funny? Am I faking it up there?" Like, no, I mean, I I yeah. feel really lucky that I lived in LA when I did because we'd met before then. But I feel mm-hmm. like when I got there in twenty. 16 you were starting to really hit a, a fun stride you know like, oh, thanks yeah you know and because i just would see you up a lot more and like mm-hmm. honestly i i thought it was cool because you know you're talking about oh i have an act and i have these my dumb jokes but it's like what what was so nice about it was the the you know you really had your your rhythm was like really on point and oh, so thanks. it was really just making you you know the sets were just like so fun and like you just were you just get caught up in it and laugh yeah. and laugh oh, you know thanks, which man. is like you. all we want yeah that's all we want is yeah. another baby yeah, yeah another it. music reference yeah. the uh, ace of bass but oh, yeah man. like i i think i met you i kind of do remember it because it was that unless you have a different people always sort of mm-hmm. turns out we all meet at different times but yeah. it was that power i think it was Power violent. It was at a show at the Pack Theater, and yes. uh, the guys uh, who did went up doing a show called Sleepaway Camp. I think uh, Doug and yeah. them introduced yeah. me. Yeah, Ryan Friedman. Shoemaker. Yeah, Ryan Shoemaker. They introduced me to you, and they were like, "Oh, he's a punk rocker too." And I was like, "Oh, that's cool." And yeah. I had I had bullied my way onto Power Violence by writing Whit- Whitmer Thomas and saying. Hey, I know what this genre of music is. I'm in a punk band with a blockade, a power violence band. You have to, we don't have to, but uh, why not put me on? And then they did. And then, uh, yeah. So I always thought it was really funny that those guys had. uh, um, Which is funny too, because I don't, I never really knew those guys and I still kind of don't. I mean, I know them, but mm -hmm. I don't, I don't know them on a personal level. Uh-huh. Which is funny because I remember when I started in that name Power Violence, I said, "Oh, are these fools into like man? Man is the bastard and the locust and like right. I, I, or despise you?" Because I'm yeah. like, and then it's so funny because I'm like, or do they just do, do they just really like the name Power Violence? It's right. like totally respectable, totally respectable. <laughs> yes. It's such a cool name. So it's like, so funny. Power electronics. Do you think that's going to be? Should we should start yeah. a Zoom show called Power Electronics? Electronics. Yeah. <laughs> but you know, it's so funny. It's always refreshing to meet like another comic that's into punk music because you would think there'd be more, but there isn't. Like, yeah, yeah. Know. I mean, it's a you know. At least not for me. Like, yeah, I never no, I didn't I, get I, to meet too many. I don't meet too many either, and and especially when we're talking about kind of. I mean, there's a lot of people who are like into punk music. But it's like everyone has a different definition of punk music. It comes yeah. down to like I, I remember know. talking to to Kyle Kinane. He was uh, this Chris Locke used to do all these shows with him, this comedian in Toronto, and 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 
Kyle's like, yeah, I like bands. You know, I love, uh, you know, voodoo glow skulls. You like voodoo glow skulls? And I was like, yeah, not my I'm thing. Sorry, either. it's not really my thing, but I get it, you know, or like yeah. Jonah Ray has like elements of that, but like it's more like that, like hot water music y kind of yeah. thing, you yeah. know? And it's like, so, so it's, which is all stuff I appreciate because I, I work as like, uh, well, first of all, I would read Flipside and Maximum Rock and Roll. Oh, yeah, same here. And just, you're just memorizing every band's name, and you would have bands from, like, Hot Water Music to... Oh, yeah, Infest. you'd have all those bands. I mean, that's that's how I feel. Like, I was reading Punk Planet. I yeah. was reading uh, Punk Planet. And back in L.A., in the, like, early to mid-2000s, it was a really great magazine before Razor Cake became the, like, yeah. the big L.A. zine. There was a there was a uh, a zine called Destroy All Monthly. Destroy All Monthly. Yeah, Destroy All Monthly. That was really good. Cool. It was, that was really good. It's so funny. I I have a Joe Strummer poster that I got from that that magazine. Like around the time he died, it was a in memoriam poster, mm. and it was like it's so funny because. I, I still have it laminated. I didn't even get it framed. I was just, it, I was, I was a kid where I was just like, if you want to protect something, you laminate it. <laughs> now like as furniture. An, yeah, yeah. Now as an adult, I'm like, why didn't I put this shit in? You know what? It's easier for you to hack. You can just put it somewhere. <laughs> yeah. That's great. I mean, but um, but it was funny because. Oh, I was just saying, like, yeah, you're right. I, I don't know that I met a lot of comics into punk rock. Like, I, I think you probably met him, too. His name's Kyle Clark. He was one of the first dudes. Oh, Kyle um, Clark. When did I, I don't, when did I meet? I don't, I'm not sure if I met Kyle Clark. I'm embarrassed, you know, this Oh, type no, of, no, it's all good. He, yeah. he, Is he an L.A. He, comedian? L.A. comedian. Um, Kind of like, he, I think he used to work at, like, Nerdist or something. But Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. But he was one of the first guys. I think, it's so funny. I think... I, I feel like I, I was probably wearing like a PIL shirt or something. Yeah. And he was like, just started talking to me about like, shit. I was like, oh man, it's cool to meet somebody else into this. And like, yeah, it's really fun. It was, it's really cool. Cause you don't meet too many. I, it's funny. I don't, um, I don't know. Um, I think you're, you're, you're friends with her. I don't know Megan Keister too well, yeah. but I know she's like into punk music and yeah. I, I love, I love anytime I see her tweet about like, some obscure band or like right yeah or, or she tweets about fugazi and i'm she's like sort of an, a super 90s kid from what i can see she's got like the fugazi steve albini you know recorded yeah. an album of That's hers right. yeah and uh, i i should my humble brag is that i think i'm probably one of the few comedians who has been reviewed in razor cake <laughs> Oh, you were reviewed in Razor Cake? That's yeah, my first album got reviewed That's... and I'm here all week. I mean, the great thing about what I was doing, you know, was it was very, uh, it like fed into each other really easily. Like, yeah. I was doing music and the lyrics were always uh, like, you know, trying to be funny, basically. Yeah. And like, like it, but with that, with music that was uh like we took it seriously we were like practicing all the time and it was aggressive and it wasn't yeah. like you know comedy music or whatever yeah, yeah, but, of course. but but um then i started doing comedy with uh a musician danko jones was like accompanying me recording all of my uh early sets where i was totally doing like anti-comedy or whatever because yeah. we'd be like who 
you know, there is like literally nothing punk about local Toronto comedy. Then, of course, I look into it and it's like, actually, no, it's just 2000. And you don't know that like some dude uh, hugely is hugely into like uh, laughing hyenas, you know, or or. Uh, Scott Thompson and Paul Bellini from Kids in the Hall had like a weird punk rock band, you know? And, and so it was just the sort of uh, ignorance, you know, of what we were talking about, which is a sort of like lineage uh, that exists, you know? And I think comedy is actually pretty, pretty bad for that sometimes, you know, because, you know, I mean, we, we have ways of preserving people, but it's kind of like a lost history in a lot of ways, you know? Well, you know, what's crazy. I feel like now that you mentioned that, I almost feel like comedy is a little bit sometimes like, like hip hop in that hip hop constantly reinvents itself. Yeah. Constantly. You can make the biggest hip hop kid right now. I was not into freestyle fellowship. Oh yeah, and they would be like, "Oh, you know, this is like super weak." Or even like, yeah, you know, like yeah, they wouldn't think much of the fact Skilo had a hit. You yeah, know? <laughs> yeah. Or they might not be into like whatever. You know, they might. You might meet a hip hop kid right now who's super into the hip hop scene right now, yeah. and he might not really give a fuck about Outkast. Or goody sure. mob, but he might appreciate and, Earl, or he might appreciate yeah, yes. you know. I mean, E forty has been strangely uh, consistent through the years, so that's someone who might. But but yeah. or like, say someone like Cool Keith, who yeah. is one of my favorites, is just like I don't know if anybody under thirty five is checking for him. Maybe they are, you know. I hope so. Yeah, hope they so need too. to listen to Doctor Octagon, you know. Yeah, or Doctor Doom, or but, yeah, yeah. But but you know, at the same time, the question is. Okay, well, if the artists, some of the artists in question are um, influenced by that music, does it matter if, are the fans by osmosis kind of like getting a taste of that, you know? Well, it's interesting because I feel like because hip hop constantly reinvents itself and it's so much part of the mainstream, I don't, I feel like they're just like, I don't need to look to the past. This is a present culture. Yeah. As, As opposed to like, I think... I think uh, I think the difference is, and it, this is not a this this doesn't make it better, but I think the difference is if if you meet a if you meet a kid who's into punk right now, mm-hmm. like a seventeen year old, he might be into the punk that's in right now, but he also there's a really good chance he also might fuck with like the Buzzcocks. Sure, he also he exploited also, he, Amoeba, exploited whatever. yeah Amoebics, Black Flag. You know, X-ray you know what specs. I mean? Yeah, like X-ray specs. Yeah, totally. You, the germs. Yeah, yeah, I mean, part of part of that, I think, germs were definitely one of the earliest punk bands where I was like, oh, okay, like I, it was L.A. early '80s hardcore, late '70s hardcore that was like opened like a whole new. Yeah. More of uh melody and abrasiveness all at once, you know? Oh yeah. Drums and, and and listening to that record, uh MIA, which I guess is a comp basically mm-hmm. of their releases, is so great because you see that progression, you know? Oh, like, yeah. It starts with this like really janky ass version of like Lexican Devil, then there's the good version of Lexican Devil, and then yeah. at the end it gets to this like my tunnel kind of like weird yep. uh Really yeah, neat totally. stuff, you lion's know? chair, all lion's chair, and yeah. um, <clears throat> so, so yeah, ger- germs were a great example of that. I remember, 
uh, Keith Morris, right? Like I had, again, with Brutal Nights, it was funny because like, you know, Keith Morris knew about it from Circle Jerks and Black Flag. And I was like, what? And uh, yeah, it was crazy. Like I I went on this like tour where he was doing stuff and and he was like, Brutal Nights. And (laughs) that's crazy. That's amazing, man. I I mean, that's insane. (laughs) It is insane. That's that's the best compliment. I mean, this is like, I I mean... yeah (laughs) it is the best compliment and maybe you have the same mentality as me where it's like i had a problem like i had a thing where i just like was really hard to distinguish between like i don't know like famous talent and non-famous talent like if there was someone who did something that i thought was cool i basically thought they were like a famous person to me i was in similar awe yeah absolutely yeah i'm the same way yeah, so so yes, having that with uh, Keith Morris is good. Whereas I, you know, I I I, I think that or Norm Macdonald, you know, who like I, yeah. I watched Dirty Work being filmed when I was like a teenager, was up the street yeah. from actually where I'm dog sitting right now, and nice. and uh, but you know, with comedy, there is an element of like playing it cool. I think that has to happen. Like there is no other genre uh, like thing I've been involved with where I felt more self-conscious being around like a well-known comedian in agreement. Well, you know what it is? And this is the difference. This is the difference between punk rock and comedy that I've always boiled it down. What I love about punk rock is, is that anybody can do it and you can, you can even kind of be bad and Mm -hmm. have a lot of heart and not be, not necessarily be bad, but not be proficient. Definitely. I think the opposite is said for, and and you and the audience are one. Right. You know, you and the audience are one. Yeah. I think that, I think that doesn't exist for, in comedy for good reason. <laughs> I, it, it, and not that I somehow want to be a rock star or anything, but I just think if you're not proficient or you, like you, you almost, it's almost like in stand-up, you can't be bad. It can't be just hard. You know, it's like yeah. there has to be some level of craft. There has to be some level of humor for it yeah. to work. Like, I, I just think that's sort of the, I, I think you can, you can take punk ideology and bring it to stand-up. Absolutely. And you can spitting. bring, yeah, spitting, slashing <laughs> your, you know, peanut butter on your chest. As, right. as, as, as Nazi paraphernalia. Yeah, totally. But I just, I don't, I don't know. It's different. I just feel like also oh, I like, get it. I've thought a yeah, lot about this lately too. I think about this all the time because yeah. I, I, I really do. Cause punk means so much to me. Mm-hmm. It's literally, you know, it's the, it, it, it's so funny because I think for, for a long time, I, I because of punk rock music, it's a good and bad thing. I was vicariously living my dreams through some of my heroes. Well, that's another thing with, with punk, you know, yeah. where the, where, you know, you really do live through the music and, and it yeah. is when you talk about the crowd and the band becoming one, I mean, it's a literal thing sometimes in punk where like, I think I saw some Cro-Mags version of the Cro-Mags in a, a tiny place called the Oasis in Toronto. And uh, I mean, you couldn't distinguish between the band like and 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 the the stage and the 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 crowd and Mm -hmm. i mean we would play shows brutal nights would play shows in in places like cleveland and uh 
even one time in the UK in this place called Guildford, where we kind of felt like playthings of the audience. And also mm. in Italy once too, you know, where they were just so like trying to be like so cathartically enjoying themselves that they were pouring garbage on us and yeah. dropping firecrackers and chasing us with like yeah. dirty mattresses and shit. And it's yeah. like, God, like, come on guys. Yeah. Well, yeah, that's what's crazy. There was so much airfare involved in us. coming. Yeah. Yeah. I know exactly. <laughs> Which is so funny because see the, in a, I don't think, I don't even, even in context, I don't know that that always works for comedy. You know, like uh, maybe I guess for the what's homeboy's name, Andy Kaufman, or like uh, Andy Kaufman had these really rooted uh, entertainment elements yes. to what he was doing. Yeah. I mean, his Elvis was a whole thing. Like the whole thing was he would bomb, and there there would be a part of the audience I think that would appreciate. You know, like he had a persona that he mm-hmm. he did create. So I agree that there were like a lot of elements uh, that are like off uh whatever like like not necessarily laugh out loud a little more but but in terms of what he was trying to do i think there was comedy it was just more like mischief related and then there was also i mean he was on taxi like he did lots he played carnegie hall so he obviously had Mm -hmm. the ability to to work these like hallmarks of of entertainment you know so i think that Boils down to the proficiency thing that you were talking about. Yeah, this was something he'd been trying to do since he was like nine years old or whatever. Yeah, you know, yeah, be an entertainer. Yeah, even though you know, with some people, like I also think, I also think with comedy, it's almost like the thing that's great about punk rock is that there is a there is almost like a secret humor between you and your friends who like punk rock. Right. Right. Yeah. I think which was like humor. My my humor attempt thing in there was like an, yeah. an element of that. Yeah. You know, there was an understanding. Yeah. You know, like I didn't worry as much about being taken as problematic or. Yeah. Or, you know. Absolutely. As a as a as opposed to stand up, I think in stand up, unless you're playing to an audience who's kind of like you, mm-hmm. that can get really lost. Yeah. Yeah. You but know? I mean, I do. For me, the challenge is to try to get that connection that allows oh, yeah. for that not to be lost. Yeah, know? absolutely. And the, and the best, the people who are best at it do that, what yeah. you're saying, what yeah. you're saying that what you do, which is why you're good at it, which is trying okay. to be like, make sure that's not lost. I like, feel like I'm just, I just discovered that, you know, not yeah. just, just, but it feels like there were like, mm-hmm like the phases of, of doing this stuff is really interesting because I would look at someone like Richard Pryor and I just go like, this is like a me, like I, I still can't oh, figure yeah. it out. You oh know? yeah. When, the most vulnerable. Yeah. Yet so effortlessly funny yet. Like also sad, like, and yeah. also like maddening, but like, oh, you yeah. can't be mad. It's, mm-hmm. it, it, and then even I remember seeing Mark Marin 10 years ago and I think it was a really good time to see him. And oh, it, yeah. it was it was like right around when he did the um Carlos Mencia That's interview. Right. And uh I I I had never really seen him perform at length and I saw him do an hour and I was like, damn, that was funny as hell. And it was like not what I was expecting. He like successfully placed us in his head. You yeah. know, and, See, and he's one of the masters of it. Where yeah. he's like where he's he he's able to do it in the way that you just said that. 
without yeah. it being lost on people. Yeah, I mean, I don't, but but I, I just there's so many questions. See, like right now, we could just do this would be hour one of four because we, yeah. we could get cut. There's so many topics to to get into, but just getting back to like sort of your youth and punk it's like well how how did that all come about like were you all when did you get into punk rock which is damian abraham's turned out of punk you haven't yeah, been on it right. so i can ask you the turned out yeah. of punk question how did you get oh, into yeah. punk rock and then yeah. also maybe a comedy like where that fit in if it did well man i guess for me like getting into punk rock was you know it's so funny in a real way i can almost kind of trace it back to like I think when I was a kid, I just liked whatever pop music was going on. Oh, that's cool. I like that. You know, I wasn't, I was just a kid who liked background music and, you know, whatever my parents played, which was like, like Latino music, Mexican music, stuff like that. But I think around junior high, that's, uh, no, in the sixth grade, a real turning moment for me was somehow I bought the Crow soundtrack. Yeah. <laughs> somehow it's called you yeah. go into the store yeah 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 like the crow <laughs> well i had seen it and i went to a store and i got it on cd yeah and then it, but i don't even remember where i don't remember how i got there that i don't recall i mean that all that stuff happened i just don't recall and but i remember thinking and it had been years after that movie had come out but mm. i was like man this movie's cool and then i was like I was just remember listening to the songs and being in like the sixth grade and being like, all right, uh, this is cool. This, this, uh, you find out later, oh, okay, that Nine Inch Nails song is a Joy Division cover. Right, and, yeah. And then uh, you're like, you find out later, okay, this Henry Rollins guy, this is a cover of a song by Suicide. And sure. then, But there was still enough like cool shit on there. Like there was a Rage Against the Machine song. There was, um, there was a Jesus and Mary Chain song. Oh and, man, I gotta check out the crew. I missed out by not getting the crew yeah. soundtrack. Well, it, yeah, and around that time, I then later started getting into, you know, just like music stuff, like, uh, um, started get. I, I would say like even like Nirvana and stuff like that, where I was oh, like, I'm crazy cool. for Nirvana. I'm yeah. a bit older than you, I think, but man, yeah. there's a band I never saw, and boy, did I. Uh, I didn't have that many shots, but the shows in Toronto you'd hear about, they played Opera House, they played Lee's yeah. Palace. And then they finally was, played Maple Leaf Gardens, and I missed the Maple yeah. Leaf Gardens. I was just blown away by like uh, all of it, but particularly that B side album, Insecticide. Yeah, and Insecticide. Uh, yeah, I know you're saying it in the yeah, non creepy yeah, way, but yeah. yeah. <laughs> and then, uh, but you know what? And then, particularly with punk, I, I had a friend. There's this kid named Eric. He played me. In the eighth or ninth grade, he played me some Clash, and this, to, to this day is my all-time favorite band. Oh, he, cool. played me, he played me some Clash, and I just remember hearing like Why Riot. I remember mm. hearing Janie Jones. I remember hearing all that stuff, and it fucking knocked me on my ass. As the kids say, like, it slapped. They say, it, yeah, it they say now it slapped. It is. And then, uh, but also around that time, a friend gave me a Punkarama CD. <laughs> There's yeah. some stuff on those, right? Like, oh those, yeah, man. The one, mom, like, what was on the, it? The Cramps, yeah. uh, the Descendants. Oh yeah, yeah. And also some, some like kind of a typical epitaph skate bands, sh- sh- like yeah. that. that face to face and stuff. Really, yeah, yeah, stuff like that. Millen Collins, stuff yeah. like that. That I don't know that they did anything to me, but I remember 
that comp, I gravitated, I gravitated towards whatever sounded a little weirder. Yeah. Like, yeah. Or like Tramps. sounded a little cramps or even, I don't know, I, I remember being blown away. I think it was the song Coffee Mug by The Descendants. It was like 40 seconds or something. And that <laughs> stood out to me as weird. And then I just started buying any, like, whatever I could find on CD. And then I remember I found, around that time, this was ninth grade, I bought a Reagan Youth CD. Yeah, we used to cover, and, um, what was that song? What was their big song? There's, I, I keep, uh, Go Nowhere. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. that was my old, old band covered Go, Go Nowhere. You know, yeah, we love that shit. a Reagan Youth CD because of the cover. And it just blew me away. I was Did just they have like, Nazis like on the cover. Yep, yep. Yeah. They had yeah. that shit, and I was like, but I would, but also I was like, I, I got the context. I said nobody's putting out this store is not going to have this if this was racist. Yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah. I mean, that's you know, it's like Dead Kennedys. Like you could take some of their imagery as being like horrendous but they were like straight up far left satirical or at least jealous you know oh yeah absolutely and i remember there was a song called jesus was a communist and i said (laughs) i i put two and two together i said oh this this guys are being this is satire Mm -hmm. on on a dangerous level and i just i just remember like i bought that and yeah that whole time it was an explosion i mean i remember literally getting a job just so getting a job at 15 like 14 15 just so I could buy CDs and tapes and like right. records and oh, I love that, was that like, shit, man. Yeah, too. I, but I was like, it was the grunge and indie rock era for me. Like a few, so uh, there was definitely a lot of punk rock, but it was mm-hmm. like the soundtrack CD that blew my mind was Judgment <laughs> Judgment Night. <laughs> Oh yeah, 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 absolutely. <laughs> when I was a kid, I was like, you can't get any better. Then combining metal with rap, because yeah, even yeah. you know at that time, you know DJ Muggs uh, was making uh, rap music that had uh, that Bomb Squad uh, abrasive, like yep. you know yeah. you can Black tell Sabbath these people samples. listen to like everything and, and like which is actually true of like most great hip hop producers <laughs> is they've got yep. a really good handle on everything, but you know. Yeah. Um, yeah, and then to hear like like an Onyx who were very much like practically oh, yeah. the same as Biohazard, you know, yeah. and like and and so yeah, just hearing all of those different they, they were MOP before MOP. <laughs> yeah. Onyx, yeah, they were yeah. they were a lot they were definitely the in the yelling. There should be like a yelling guy oh. um like tour that they bring back. I know. But, yeah, but yeah, so so and even if you think about it, something like Run DMC, you know, had like an element of of something kind of like like bellowy to the way that they were rapping that like, you know, and they would have the rock yeah. guitars and stuff, you know. Yeah. So so uh, I was always attracted to that. And then Nirvana, you know, were just huge. And oh, yeah. Rollins was huge. But Nirvana, you know, were so good about covering bands. and. So I got some Peel Session seven inch bootleg thing, and it had these covers of the Wipers, uh, Dimension oh, Seven, D Seven, and uh, I was like, "This is the best Nirvana song I ever heard." And then you find out, no, it's this Portland band that yeah. like 
is able to, when they get it all right, just like channel some fucking craziness, you know? So, yeah. And so for me, it was like always a mishmash, but it kind of sounds like it was the same for, for well, you. Well, it was the same you know? for me too, because I was also into the, a lot of like, I mean, one of my favorite bands when I was in high school and to this day is Unwound. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I Which mean, that. I, like not in that ballpark, but it kind of is in a it, 90s version of yeah, that ballpark. To me, I mean, they fucking... Some of their best albums are from the 90s. Like, you yeah. know, uh, yeah, they're just amazing. Like, I, I love Unwound. And like, uh, yeah, and at the same time, I was listening to like, you, you, I think earlier when we messaged back and forth about doing this, you brought up like Neurosis and I love Neurosis. Like yeah. to this day. They're like, one I of the earliest ones I heard too. Yeah. Yeah. To the day, it's like, it still blows me away what they do. Well, I mean, they're one of those groups where the uh, the punk groups where like the live show was more than just the music or, you know, like they would do um, like lots of imagery and oh, projection. Yeah. And, you know, it was a uh, was a whole thing. And so yeah. it was it was like artful, you know, yeah. and um, actually, you know, I did think of one comedy special that I found very artful and I enjoyed very much. Oh, now what's that? that? It was Julio Torres, my favorite shapes. You oh, ever I seen haven't that? seen that. No, oh, I'm, I love it, watch man. That. Yeah, yeah, it's on HBO. And yeah. uh, wait, but you have a comedy. Like, are you on a Latino comedy like uh, like oh, like yeah. showcase thing? Well, you, you know what's so funny? It's, it's I was looking uh, for it. I'm like, yeah. I'm gonna watch this shit. Oh yeah, it's on HBO. You can find it on like HBO now. Okay, it's called uh, Entre Nos which yeah. is English for between us. Yes. And uh, it, it's kind of funny. I never thought about it this way, but it's, it's the closest I'll ever get to doing a split because, <laughs> because it's a half hour that's, that's broken up between me and another comic. Oh, so, so like two, like 20 minute sets that were cut down to like 50 um, each. Yeah. It was two yeah. 13 minute sets. Okay. Yeah. 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 Two 13 minute. Uh, it's me. so funny. It's you me. From LA, and then this really funny Dominican comic from New York named Ian Lara, who's like uh-huh. a, an amazing joke writer, like just polished, like really great. And uh, yeah, it's kind of funny to think about it. I'm like, cause, you know, I'm sure you have a favorite split album, you know, and we, are, we all have. <laughs> well, I mean, it was uh, Bikini Kill Huggy Bear, was always. Uh, yeah, that's a great one. That, <laughs> yeah. that, that, that might be. That's my second, and then my first is the classic Faith Void split. Oh, okay, yeah, I guess yeah. Faith Void has to be right, yeah. right, right up there. Yeah, that, yeah. that Huggy Bear Bikini Co is the shit. Yeah, I, I um, listened to that a billion times. That was like also my punk rock was Riot Girl was like so here. huge to me, and um, and thank I'm so glad it was, you know, yeah, because here. it just was like it kept me away from getting into too much i think of like the sort of tough guy hardcore stuff which i appreciated but it's just not fully me you know so it's i feel like, you on that i'm kind of the same way i it's really funny because i think uh, like i got into bikini kill in high school too and around that time like uh, later le tigre but i was also into like huggy bear and those early like leader kenny albums blew me away but also like i was i always loved discord like yeah yeah, I always yeah. loved Discord. I always loved what was coming out of DC. Yeah, and, and Slant Six. Oh yeah, like, Slant Six. Slant Six always really blew me away. And that that soda pop off album, their first album, classic like red and white cover. 
blew me away. And then, um, yeah, there was just so many bands, but it was kind of cool getting into those bands because then at the same time, I was also, you know, I was looking at the early 77 stuff and and some of the post stuff. And then I came across like the slits and the raincoats. Yeah. And I love that stuff too. Or even like. Takes you in a whole other direction when you get into that Takes you in a whole other direction. Or even like thinking about like those, some of those crass albums. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, those crass albums with, what's the female singer from the crass? I can't, I can't remember her name, but she's, she's the one I, like her voice stands out to me like amazingly on, on some of those I didn't remember that shit scaring me. Like that level of anger yeah i would hear these where i would just oh this is this is real guttural this is coming from somewhere and then um it was cool too because i never it's kind of funny because some of the more like uh hardcore shit like i I always use this as an example like if you think of like new york hardcore yeah i'm not a real big new york hardcore fan Mm -hmm. but like i'm not i don't listen to mad ball i don't you know hey breed like I don't that know. agnostic front, victim in pain, you'll probably live with hearing. Yeah, yeah, but it's not really my thing either, you know? Didn't they get but, racist? Wasn't that the thing? Well, you know what it was? They, they didn't, but they, they they sort of, they became, you know, they, they were into those English oi bands, so they kind of became nationalistic. Okay, like, yeah. Yeah, nationalistic. Not at all but, anything like racism. National- no, nothing racist. Just, yeah, like, <laughs> Uh, but I, that, that music to me, I like it. And I think it's, what I like about it is you need those guys because it can't be all nerds. Yeah. It's also a diverse sometimes, like it's one of the ones that has a lot of people of, of color involved. Oh yeah. Yeah. Like you look at like members of like Madball, the Mm. Latino dudes, or you look at Orange, Orange nine millimeters, like black right. in it. Like, yeah, yeah. You know, you get you got all kinds of people in that New York scene. Terror, it was just terror. terror. Yeah, yeah, terror. I, I was never. I appreciate it for what it is, and I think you need you you need that. I just I don't know that I'm. It's my go to. Well, not, we don't do CrossFit. We're not doing like that is good <laughs> exercise music for a punk. Yeah. And I don't know if I'm, you know, I'm certainly not doing that. Like, yeah, you yeah. know, I'm just sort of, I want music to rise to or to cry to. Yeah. You know what's yeah. crazy is I saw someone pass through your mirror, but I like for a second saw it on the, on your zoom. And I, but for a second, I thought it was in my place. And I was like, oh, nobody else hilarious. is here. Oh my God. <laughs> you're um, you're going to start freaking out. <laughs> but, um, but what about uh, like comedy? Was that like something, you know, oh, yeah. I, I mean, was it like growing up? Latino in South Central and Inglewood. Um, I mean, I I can only like I can only relate that to what I've seen in film oh, and yeah. stuff. You know, well, and obviously there's you know, so I feel like Cheech and Cheech Marin, Born in East LA, yeah, and like yeah. you know, Boys in the Hood, Menace to Society, and like yeah. um, lots of lot of other things. But yeah, yeah, of course. Um, in terms of comedy, I mean, you know, I feel like through. Once you're into like kind of like punk, like mm-hmm. you're a little bit of a smart ass, yeah, you know, and you so like I just remember like I don't know, just being into like you like weird things, you like weird music, so it, you like weird movies, then you go, man, I love these Coen Brothers, right? And then yeah, and then you go, all right, I 
man, I, I like, I like this Clerks movie. Mm-hmm. Like, and then, um, and you know, stuff like that. And then you start going, you go, man, I like Seinfeld a lot. <laughs> like you just start yeah, like, yeah. so it was funny with stand up. I always like, as a kid, I enjoyed it. You know, I would watch Comedy Central. I remember, I remember the first comic that kind of blew me away was, well, it was probably two of them. It was like uh, Mitch Hedberg and Greg Giraldo being in high oh school and seeing those specials. And then, Giraldo was so crazy funny. Yeah. Then I was in high school when... Um, Obviously, Mitch uh, Hedberg was too. I mean, he was like yeah, formative totally. for me, but I, I appreciated Giraldo a little more later on. Me too. You know? Me too. Yeah. yeah, I loved them. And then around that time, like Tough Crowd, I was in high school and Tough Crowd was on and I really, I really love that. Like, and um, but also, I think a lot of it was just coming too from watching Saturday Night Live and sketch shows. That was my me too. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, for a lot of punks, it's that like watching sketch shows. Yeah, like that's why Norm Macdonald was my favorite because uh, his attitude on on talk shows and on Saturday Night Live was so counter to everyone to the point where I and I was such a smart aleck that like that cast that had all these intensely talented people. It took me years to think they were cool because I thought like Norm was the cool one. And, you know, and then. And, or Janine Garofalo, who I think was in the cast, but like nobody remembers that she was on it. She was like yeah. Janine Garofalo and, and oh, yeah. she was in a different, but, but, you know, then it's like years later, I'm like, oh my God, Anna Gastar is amazing. Oh my God, Will Ferrell, whatever, you oh, know, yeah, like, I, I mean, Norm was like almost the only one because that is a punk rock thing where you got to hate something to like to the thing you like, you know? Yeah. So I was kind of too into that i think mm-hmm. uh and and you know aging the nice thing about that is you wind up being like why don't i appreciate as many things as i possibly can in the oh, world yeah. instead of just yeah. you know yeah. kind of like tuning too much of it out obviously there's a lot of crap and stuff but like yeah, of course if you don't mind me saying yeah no 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 i don't okay, thank you um i i, I think you <laughs> A lot of people might agree. (laughs) (laughs) And, you know, like part of me, when I get into a certain mode, like I actually do kind of diverge a little from your idea where it's like, I want it to be more as artful as possible in some ways, comedy. Like I think right now in pop culture, like we, like everything bubbled to the surface and it's all messed up now. Like I saw LP, the rapper today. Yeah. Uh, he tweeted Welp and I was like oh I can't believe a rapper tweeted Welp this is weird but then but whatever LP is amazing oh, and, yeah, yeah. And, and yeah he is he's like uh, well I got quoted at the congressional hearings today and everyone was I guess someone quoted like a run the jewels song or something at the thing today and it's like everyone was like wow what timeline are we in you know are we all dead and it's like no, like we were living in some moment that actually was connected to everything else. And now it's like all at the surface and the fucking conservatives think they're underground. <laughs> oh, I know. That's so funny, right? Isn't that, isn't that really funny how like mm-hmm. it makes me think, do you remember a few years? Do you remember like this has to be like 12 years ago when the website conservative punk was a thing? I don't remember that website. Oh, you don't remember? <laughs> yes, no, that was real it. shit. But I know about shit. that. I know about that movement or vibe. Yeah. Like I definitely was 
present to see a lot of people saying oh, that. Oh, yeah. Was, like, I mean, my, you, that was that guy Milo's whole deal. Yeah. Was, like, I mean, you, you can know, trace it back to like, uh, um, Meat Men or, you know, yeah. uh, Fear. No, you can even trace it, not not even fear, because they're almost just like nihilistic, apolitical, but you can trace it back too. to screwdriver. Oh. You know, like, I mean, trace it back to screwdriver or like, you know, a little, maybe like oi bands that were maybe. Yeah, more super hateful ones, you know, yeah, like, like not, not Coxbar. Coxbar were not that, uh, you know. Oh, but, no, no, but, they were. But, you, but what's funny about that is you can even. It's funny because you can people that, that I'm sure there was some working class English dudes that that mistook or or took the song "England Belongs to Me" too literally. Right. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And the, the same thing the with exact, the Clash. The exact opposite way. Yes. And the the Clash too was it? Yeah. With like White Riot, they they right. they, they, they had. Um, I remember watching a thing where they talked about like, yeah, we were having like. Like National Front skinheads showing up to our shows with White Riot, and we were like, "No, we're not into it. No, no, no. It's not about that. We're saying, hey, we're working class white dudes. We should join our black counterparts." And yeah, yeah. I mean, the whole thing is so maddening right now. I mean, uh, like, I do feel like we're in this weird cultural hangover period because having been in that whole punk thing in the two thousands. And seeing people's politics and going to Europe and seeing, I mean, I've said this on this show so much, but I feel like I can't say it enough. Seeing Antifa in Europe and the necessity for what they were doing and the police hatred of what they were doing and the danger of, of, of that, you know, like yeah. being in Hungary and just seeing a guy with a good night left side shirt and his buddy with a, uh, swastika necklace you know mm -hmm. on the train openly and um uh it, it it's just like seeing that and, and and like nuanced politics of um like true personal freedom and yeah. uh like seeing all of that being sort of co-opted and in, almost into a marketing thing so like on some level for some people has mm -hmm. been like really weird. And, and it's just, uh, it's hard for me to know, like, not like, and I don't think being punk is like the most important thing in the world. I don't even oh, know yeah, what it means, absolutely. you know, yeah, absolutely. but, but I do think that the politics that were part of, of that era, I, I liked, uh, I, I liked a lot because it was sort of post cancel culture in the punk rock world and it was yeah. like uh a little bit more of i mean we were my band came out and that was like eight, the 80s hardcore resurgence was like really mm -hmm. really going and again you know that goes back to what you were saying about rap which mm -hmm. is that like there would not really be a period in hip-hop where people were going that hard at trying to be like yeah. say i don't know uh, schooly d or yeah, something absolutely. you know yeah but meanwhile we, we were all using templates like the adolescents and you know yeah. uh i mean you'll uh, still find a band who's trying to yeah. sound like 77 you know 100 percent, or like yeah. yeah like uh zero boys or like this yep. is stuff that's worth sounding like but you know mm -hmm. at the same time it's just interesting that like you would like never see that in certain genres yeah. and uh yeah, just just the the politics and, and uh, of it, and the community sense of touring and not really feeling like we were doing it to make 
a living, you know, yeah. and, and, um, and it's been hard to shake a lot of those things it, it, it doing comedy, you know, like the idea oh, yeah. of giving people space to perform to me mm-hmm. is as valuable as the idea of performing. If that makes any sense on some level, you know, like, yeah, you know, like I love doing what I do. And I love making people laugh and, and making people happy, but I also understand that, look, I'm just one man. I can't yeah. be over there in yeah. Long Beach, <laughs> you know, no. before you got to get the venues. No, but you yeah. know what I mean? Like, absolutely. I, I don't know if there's an, but so, yeah. So, so when, when did you like, like, did you get into stand up like a bit later on, like oh, in your twenties? Yeah. Like, oh yeah, absolutely. I was, I was approaching my late twenties when I started as a stand up. That's great. Yeah. I've only been doing stand up for, now seven years yeah and i it was kind of funny because i think i felt like i i wasn't really pursuing anything in my 20s or most of my 20s and you know by the time i got to my late 20s or 30 i was just like what am i doing i i feel like i've been vicariously living through hearing people you know through like punk music hearing people talk about go for it DIY right. shit and I just I was like taking it in but I was maybe being a depressed loser about it you know and I was being like oh yeah I was just in bad relationships yeah. and and not really believing in myself and then you were in the crowd reflecting what you were seeing yes. that's all you yeah know? and I, I think just... that happens too it's so funny because um I always say that this is kind of the this is this is the dangerous aspect of like indie music, punk music, certain rock music, especially the more like underground experimental kind. It's incredibly self-reflective. Mm. So as, as, uh, as somebody who's receiving the music and listening to it and an audience member and all that, you can get so lost in the self-reflection and the words that you could, you forget that you can do it too. Right. Yeah. You forget that you, and then what ends up happening is you let it become a soundtrack for your sad life. <laughs> and oh god! And I felt like I let that happen. I'm weeping for the many examples that I've. Oh, <laughs> dog! I, I lived it, you know. But those and been, people are important too. Oh, they're well, important too, absolutely. Yeah. And and if they're okay with. If they're okay with their life, more power to them. I right. I know you're not exactly talking. I know what you're talking. You're talking about an unrealized feeling and can come up. You know, that was me. You know, I wasn't happy with it, and I wasn't. And I just said, and it was funny too because it's not like I mean, I loved all that music, but I didn't want to start a band. You know, I was just, I just love music. I didn't, I didn't necessarily feel the urge to play it. Yeah, it was so funny. I just, I, I wanted to, I wanted to be a writer, and then somebody told me. Somebody just told me, you should do stand-up. And I said, fuck it, I'll do stand-up. I love stand-up. Why have, I always wanted to do it. I was just always, you know, I was in shitty relationships. And I was, I, I was as, I, I take an, I take half of the blame for being in that shitty relationship. Mm-hmm. You I know? Mean, you were, you were uh, absorbed in the details of your own existence. 
like yeah. just your ground level exit, you know, yeah, what is this problem I'm being presented with in this situation I put myself in. Now I'm mad at myself about it. Now I'm mad yeah. at how, now I got to figure out how to solve it. And now it's the next day and there's a new version of this. And now it's the yes. next and I'm going to work and like, yeah. You know, it's, yeah. I felt like it felt like that. And then, then I just said, all right, fuck it. I'll, I'll do stand up and I win. And yeah. Yeah. And I was just like, this is great. I, I just felt like I finally did something. Uh, I was your mohawk at that time. Oh, no mohawk. No okay, mohawk. sorry. I just yeah, yeah. No mohawk. Always, always just this. Always uh, when just you like... said you were punk and frustrated <laughs> and, sh- and in shitty relation, I thought to be in a shitty relationship, you had to have a giant mohawk. <laughs> nah, I was always... But you know what's so funny? I never... I also, you know, it's a weird thing. I never dressed punk either. No, because... I think that's a very awesome thing that happened too in the 90s and 2000s is the, I, the, the punk look it. disappeared. Yeah, great. you didn't have to be fashionable. And no. God bless Washington, D.C. for that, you know? They <laughs> yeah, were like, true. Yeah, that shit, it comes from them. They didn't want to be fashion punks, you know? Yeah, and then, yeah studs. You can get yeah. hurt those. So, also, too, I just couldn't... I, I, I grew up at a time in a neighborhood where people were... They were not... Some of the gang members in the neighborhood, they didn't like if you dressed like a punk. You had to... You, so old school, man. Yeah, you you couldn't. They, you know, they, they would put, they would call you like a double worshiper. They would, they, right. it, it literally, it, yeah, it, they hated it. So it was just one of those things where you just, you didn't dress like that. You almost kind of maybe even dressed a little more. I always talk, I always say this. I probably dressed like, what's that era of New York hardcore where, <laughs> even though I was not a New York hardcore fan. Where you wear like a, a windbreaker jacket, baggy yeah. jeans, and Adidas campus. Yeah, that's like, you know, uh, I don't know, Cold World or something. You look like a... You look like a... Or like yeah. sort of tough guy, like East, upstate New York, like yeah. uh, punk. Well, yeah. I probably dress more like that because to them, that was more similar to what they probably dressed like. And they, did, yeah. they were just like, all right, cool, I... That's not, they didn't think that was a thing, you know, they didn't think, as opposed to being like a fashion punk where you have like a mohawk and you're wearing plaid. And, I was never like that. I was always I just like, that. oh, I can be sloppy. Yeah. You know, and like, I, I was fine with, with like, you know, wearing weird stuff, but like, yeah, I, I was, I never felt like I fit in like anywhere, which I always thought was just like yeah. the definition of w- what I liked, you know, was yeah, just yeah, like, or what resonated with me was just like, the rule is if I like it, I don't have to adopt the look because I don't feel like that is me. I don't feel like that's my need. Yeah. You know, I can love hip hop and not like yeah. dress, I'm the same way. you know, like, yeah. And I, so, yeah, that's how. And then I just, you know, I started stand up and um, I tried something and then I was like, hey, cool. I'm, I'm going to keep doing this and see if I can get good at it. And like, I go. I think I, I go, I think I'm funny. I just need to learn how to be funny on stage and I need to learn how to write yeah. better jokes and like structure. Yeah, so structure and I just kind of kept going and going and, you know, and then it was really finally when I found that, I just thought, okay, now you can apply that, that like, uh, Mike Watt work ethic. The, right. Smart. Yeah. You were, you, yeah. I remember you were doing lots of, uh, sets all the time. Yeah. Doing you lots know? of sets and it anywhere, was that whole, you know? anywhere. Yeah. Anywhere like uh, all over i would drive far for one like I, mean, I think that's what i mean when i said like seeing you at that time in la if it, mm-hmm. that's 
seven years ago is 2013. So this would have been three years into you doing mm-hmm. stand up and then yeah. until 2018. So then five. And it's like, uh, you know, I'd see you at the mics and then I'd see you at all these other spots. And mm-hmm. then like eventually, you know, some book show and you do great. Yeah. And it was just like, it's fucking awesome. And now you sold a show to like yeah. Hulu and Comedy Central. Yeah. Is that it? Oh, just Hulu. Okay. Just Hulu. Well, don't yeah. worry. I just said two other companies to, to, to Hulu. And that's yeah. like, like, was that something? And I noticed on your website, like, is your representation like a Latino company? It's it's like. Oh, no, no. Yeah. It's, it's so not. I don't know why he named it that. He just, he's just a. What is it called? Uh, El Centro. El Centro. Just, yeah. Total sweet, nice Jewish guy. I don't know. He just named it El Centro. I think he liked it or whatever. And. I'm sure I won't be the first person, the only person to sort of say, I, I was no, going to do the thing where like, solidarity, man, you do. Yeah. Oh, no, no. I just said, I said, my man, I go, you can name it whatever you want. Right, <laughs> yeah. But, but no, so like, um, the, I mean, the show, I, I do want to know, like, you know, uh, did you write it during this period of time? Like, yeah. Did, wow. Well, the funny thing is, the way it happened, um, I was literally, man, when that shit happened, it was, it started in 2018. I was working, I was working at a warehouse, you know, still doing I, comedy. I remember you'd be like texting about it or you, you would yeah. joke about it when I would see you do. Yeah, that's right. Up. Yeah. I was working at a warehouse and then at that time, um, I was at a warehouse working my job and then uh, Jake Weissman. Uh, who's a comedian. Yeah, very and funny he, guy. Yeah, very funny guy. And then he, one of the co-creators of the show Corporate on Comedy Central, mm-hmm. um, he sent me a text out of out of the blue. And he goes, hey, how you doing? I'm like, oh, I'm all right. And then he was like, yeah, it was just me and Matt, Inga Bretson and Pat Bishop, we we produce now. And just wondering if you have any ideas or whatever. I was wow. like, holy shit. I was like, and literally, you know, I had a work belt on, like, <laughs> and... I was all dirty from working at the warehouse, all sweaty. And I was like, yeah, I think I got a few ideas. And they were like, all right, cool. Let, let's meet. And then we met and we met at a bar and then just talked. And then they were like, yeah, think of something. Just think of something that's like maybe in your world, you know? And I was like, um, they were like, think of something like, what do you like right now? And then they were like, I'm like, oh, I really like Atlanta. And then he said, yeah. all right, think of something like Atlanta, but maybe punchier. And I said, <laughs> all right, cool. And then I fucked off for like two weeks, went back to work, was just working. But in the meantime, I was thinking of ideas and I sent them an idea and they were like, yeah, this is pretty good. Let's work on it. And then this was 2000, this was the fall of 2018. And then we worked on it and worked on it. And then nothing was really happening. Um, having kind of a hard time getting pitch meetings or whatever. Yeah. But then um, somehow they called me and then they said, hey, um, we were going to send this to Fred Armisen. Would you be okay with that? Is that somebody you like? Do you have a problem with it? I said, send it to who the fuck ever. Yeah. I go, I go even if I didn't, even if I had a problem to him, send it, send it, send to, it him. to him. I work yeah. at a warehouse. Yeah, no, it's fine. <laughs> It's, yeah, it's fine. Send it to Marilyn Manson. Yeah, send it, send it. Yeah, send it to him. I, I work at a warehouse. Send yeah. it to whoever the fuck. Yeah, I could not work at a warehouse. And then totally. They, they sent it to him, and 
he was really nice. He was he reacted really positive to the idea. It, we did we hadn't really fully written a script. We had a we had a treatment with yeah. photos and it was it was really cool. And then he said he he reached back to them and said, This is really great. I I'd love to help in any way I can. And That's then so Yeah, it was really good. So then um it was really weird. We ended up talking to him. Uh had a phone conversation with him during my lunch break, which was kind of weird. I'm sure you could talk to him about music as well. Oh, yeah, 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 I have. I, I mean, I've talked to him about his band. Yeah, I remember being into Trenchmouth in the 90s as yeah, well. Yeah, yeah. I told him, I told him that the that album, Sun vs. the Light, like, mm-hmm. it's an underrated album. Yeah, they were. He's, he's a really, really talented musician. It's crazy. Yeah, yeah, super, yeah. super talented. So anyways... Um, I'm very enthusiastic about music, which is oh, great. Oh, yeah, you know? yeah. Uh, he... He came along and said, yeah, let's do it. And once he came along, he, the doors opened up even more. And then we we got meetings and we ended up selling it like in the, we ended up selling it in, I want to say, in the, geez, like probably the summer of, the summer of 2019 or the fall of 2019. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And then. We got paid to write it, and then we wrote it, and then they 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 didn't really like it, but they mm. liked all of us, and they said, "Can you guys write a different version of this and a more grounded version?" And then we rewrote that, and then yeah, and that's the version that we wrote during quarantine, and they ended up greenlighting and improving. So, Did you? Was it like a learning process for you? Was this like an uh, one of your only writing jobs, or was this? Oh, well, it was my only writing job. I was only doing stand up. I was doing like I was going on the road. I mean, Uh I had a job, but I I had a flexible warehouse job that would let me go. Yeah, where I told them, "Hey, I'm going to be gone. Uh, I I can't work Friday this weekend. I can't. I'm going to be gone. Yeah, any Friday and Monday off. Be at Acme. Yeah." That, that literally was a situation where I was at Acme <laughs> and, <laughs> in Minneapolis. So, but they were, um, so it was my first job. I mean, I was just doing stand-up and working, working any blue collar job that would take me. And then um, it was a real learning experience working with them. They, they, they were really nice, smart guys and they're super funny. Yeah. And um, yeah, it was it was super helpful. And then we, we wrote it one time. We wrote the first one. They all loved it. But when the main boss guy, <laughs> you know, he's like, uh, he, he didn't love it. He was like, I, I love everybody in Bob. I love all of you guys. But can you write something different, a little more grounded, a little it, don't, less plotty? Let's explore the world kind of thing. Right. And I was like, geez, all right, fuck it. That's a, that actually yeah. sounds really cool. You were and like, then, less plot? I like yeah. this. You know? Yeah, I like that. And yeah. then we we went back and wrote that. Yeah, and it's been a real learning experience. A lot of it we wrote during COVID, like doing writing on Zoom for a few hours a day. Yeah, I did a Zoom writing room this year or last year, and I was like, this is cool. It's cool. <laughs> it's a little exhausting. Oh, because, it's so exhausting. But it yeah. is exhausting anyway yeah. in some like weird, <laughs> sterile yeah environment pacing around with someone but yes it's not the same but i i I was was surprised that like i was able to do it it's just hard for like sit 
sitting and then like when you have your little break it just feels like you have like yeah okay what am i gonna do uh the supermarket has some like dumplings i can buy buy yeah so Um, yeah that ended up happening does it have a title yeah punk ass bitch punk ass bitch which is one of your classic bits yeah i just watched on your hot tub set yeah yeah Yeah. they 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 basically they're the ones that said hey do you mind if we call it that because the because the the premise of the show is a guy who's who is is codependent Mm -hmm. and basically goes out of his way to help others so he can avoid his own problems oh i love it i love it you know yeah yeah a so, form of narcissism unto itself. Yeah, it is. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. And you know, and a lot of that came from my own issues with codependency. You know. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, that's so cool. You're codependent. No, but yeah, it's. Yeah. I mean, it's easy to fall into this yeah. kind of stuff. Like, um, is, and w- was that something that you've like? Are you? Do you work on codependency? Uh, like, yeah. Well, you know what's funny? I. I I never made it a bit, but I used to joke around, and this was true. the The way I found out, the way I found out was co- I was codependent. Was I was in a bad relationship? We broke up. I told my friend about this relationship. I was telling her the details of it, and she told me she's codependent. <laughs> and then, and then I then I said, I thought to myself, "What is codependency?" I researched it. Then said to myself, oh, I'm going to buy a book about codependency and learn what it is so I can help her not be right. codependent. Totally. I'm being codependent. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it's I like love so that fun. I stepped on that. That was a codependent move. Oh, I'm going to help him through. Oh, oops. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's, I mean, you know, that's like people, like I talk about ADHD all the time and a lot of people, you know, they'll they'll think their kid will get diagnosed and that will be you know, what winds up getting them to examine, you know, maybe get tested themselves for it and find out they have it, yeah. you know, and, and, um, I have a book here just called the dialectical behavioral therapy skills workbook. And let me tell oh, you, nice. it's a hell of a thing because, uh, all of these, uh, attributes that we can kind of gain or, or habits and whatever, like they often have, uh, roots in, um, childhood stuff or like like comorbidity disorders it's very and 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 it's it's about management you know it's about sort of being open and and managing i don't know yeah absolutely yeah totally and yeah that's a and and that was the whole the premise of the show was like oh that's cool i kind of told them this idea i'm like man what if this character is still dependent and that's his problem and yeah they were they were all they were all for it as a codependent, you know, it's interesting, like, do, do you think codependency leads to frustration when your help doesn't feel like it's working or your attempts to help? Like, yeah. Like, well, is you, a form of masochism in that sense? Sometimes? Yeah, well, it's almost, I, I call it backpatting martyrdom. <laughs> because you're being a martyr and at the same time going, I'm going to go out of my way to help this person. because. And you find people who actually ha- may have it worse than you. Yeah. Because then you can justify it by saying, look, I know I got it bad, but they mm-hmm. got it even worse. So I better help out. I better that's help how, That's them. how the world works. And you, and you think you you're being altruistic. Yeah. And you think you're being altruistic and you're not. 
you're just you're literally using somebody as as a way to avoid fixing your own problem. Yeah, procrastination and procrastination. You know, yep, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's a really, it's a really fascinating bunch of issues, you know, and I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm excited for the show and I'll have to get a geo blocker to watch Hulu here, but you know, it'll probably be worth it. Mm. Oh, no, I'll send you if, well, you know, that's the thing. Uh, and when people would congratulate me, they say, Oh, congratulations on the TV show. I, I did want to be clear. I'm like, Oh, it's, it's just a pilot. It's they a pilot. Still it's say been no. ordered. Yes, I know. Yeah. It's, uh, it's, uh, they could still say no. It's some inside stuff, but I want to watch this pilot and I want to oh, yeah, tell yeah. you it's good no yeah. matter what I think. <laughs> <And, laughs> but, but, but yeah, uh, I, you know, like honestly, I think if you're ever up for it again, it would be great to have you back and shoot oh, the shit. Dude, anytime. Like, Are you, you I know, fucking love talking about music. Me I mean, too. It's, this has been so awesome. Oh, yeah. yeah. Anytime anybody wants to talk about music and you know, because it's so funny. I, I always tell people this. I go, um, I I know I became an adult when I started becoming friends with people who are not into punk rock. <laughs> and, and I can yeah. and I can be full fledged, full fleshed out friend. We can right. have full fleshed out. Yeah, because it's funny. So when I was younger, so much of that depended on uh, all my friends were into what I was into. And I go, that's how I know I'm a fucking you. adult. If someone triggers you with like a thing they like that you don't like, yeah. and then you're not friends with them, it's like mm, maybe yeah. maybe we gotta gotta get out of that seventeen twenty year old mind. Yeah. But yeah, so, so but but it's always nice. Like it's funny because now you know most of my comedy friends they're not really into like punk music or they're not. I mean, I can. There's probably besides you and like maybe three two other guys. I don't know any of the comics that are into Unwound. No. That would know Unwound is. Besides you and like a few a other people. I did meet yeah. a punk. Uh, yeah. What's that dude's name? He's around the comedy store. Uh, I met him at La Covida. Um, uh, I wish this is not... Um, You're not talking about Brian Bokey, are you? No, no, that's a different guy. I'm talking about... Uh, he's a Latino dude. Oh, Joe Jimenez. Uh, yes, 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 yes. <laughs> That's the homie. That's yeah, the homie. Yeah, I love Joe. Cool. He yeah, is, he's a punk. He's a nice guy to yeah, me. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. He's great. Do you have any... Uh, what has been the change in your routine from the quarantine to now? Like, how? what was it like before? What is it like now? Well, before I was doing stand-up every night. And yeah. then and then now it's n- nothing. So <laughs> it's kind of... It's like not doing Fuck. stand-up. You know, not doing stand-up. So it's weird. You know, I... I felt I for the long since the beginning of quarantine up until January I felt in the pocket I felt this sucks but I can deal with it and it's I getting it tough in, now now I remember a few weeks into January it hit me where I was like I'm fucking over this because it because it didn't the new year didn't feel any different yeah you know I just yeah. felt like oh we're just kind of living a continuation. Then there was a national disaster. Yeah, all that shit. You know, but LA is a nightmare right now. Yeah, but luckily, work's been keeping me busy, like working on rewrites and that's awesome. Yeah, and and doing other stuff like in regards to the pilot. You are not you are not Chris Estrada stand up. You're that's just not that's not the only thing you are. You know. Yeah. Yeah. You've been yes. doing it for seven years, so like, yeah. if uh, you miss a year, what, you know? Yeah. But, also, you know what though? It's a bit of a routine. I've been, 
I've been, I have, since I'm not out at night, I can literally put on a record and listen to a whole record. Yeah, that's awesome. Totally. Yeah. I, I'm burning, I'm ripping CDs to my iPod Classic, my 160 iPod Classic that accompanied me on so many tours. Dog, I'm so, I'm so bummed out. I lost my old iPod uh, years ago and I love, I, I still think iPods were the shit. So I'm like, the giant ones. Yep. So cool. Yeah. And then the great. aux cord. I mean, people, kids are talking about the aux cord. That means yeah. that they're the kids are using iPod. Yeah. <laughs> you know, we want to be like them, right? Yeah. If we're going to yeah. succeed in the industry as ancient <laughs> punk men. <laughs> I know. That's so funny. Yeah. But yeah. Just been listening to records and fortunately being, I've been kept busy by work. Yeah. And then, um, yeah, that's about it. And then also just, uh, every now and then I, I, I'll write jokes mm-hmm. and, That's cool. and then I'll, I'll do zoom jo- I'll do zoom shows and it's been fun to just keep that routine going. Like, you know, yeah, I, I, I was surprised zoom shows kind of were fun. The ones yeah. I've done, you know, yeah, some of them are fun. It's, it's good to, when you do it, you go, all right, I'm not letting this comedy muscle atrophy. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I think that that's it is like, even if you were just doing the writing, it's like, well, the muscle's not atrophying, you know, yeah. like you are not, your mind is on creation, you know? Yeah, totally. and, and I think that that's the key thing. But if people's mind isn't in this economy, in this environment, mm-hmm. that's fine too. Shit is sad. No yeah. matter how much we're doing, you know, yeah, so absolutely. It, it's just, uh, Freaking intense time, man. But I know, I'm, glad, man. I'm glad you're holding up, you know? Yeah, you too, man. I'm glad you're holding up. And Do I see I, you, I don't, this doesn't seem like a crazy man beard? Nah, nah. That but, seems nice. That seems nice. Oh, yeah. Thanks. I yeah. wish you could touch it. <laughs> hey, you and me both. <laughs> <laughs> no, it, I, I feel like we're at the... We'll, we'll come out of this, you know? It's Hell like, yeah. Yeah, where I'm just like, nah, fuck it, we're gonna come out of this one. That's, that's how just, I feel. This too shall yeah. pass. It's like, yeah, I, yep, I, this too shall pass. My prediction right now, it's February. I think there's gonna be one more brutal the, the point of this at some point, mm-hmm. and then it's gonna lower, and then we're gonna get into whatever the next era is. I think, you know, I that, think we'll, I think we'll have some not complete normalcy, but I think we'll have, we'll have. I think the summer will be a lot better. Yes. I think that it's just like really decent timing that the summer, like the vaccination, hopefully will all come together by like closer to the end of the year, but the summer won't be that bad if it's anything like last year. And then, you know, after that, we'll have a a bit of a clear time and we'll all be able to wear masks and go to comedy shows. Yeah. For <laughs> all sure. masked up I with know. our vaccination card and yeah, uh, totally. jokes. I'm having a hard time writing jokes uh in this era just because I feel like I there's nothing it. to yeah. report on. But you know, I yeah. am podcasting all the time and uh right. you know yeah. doing the streams with all these great comics and you know yeah. talking to I people heard like you, you on uh I heard you on the three hundred episode of They're Not a Punk. Oh cool with Danka. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. Was Fred Armisen on that one too? Uh, no, John. I think it was John Worcester and Jay Mascus. Yeah, that's right. It was. And I was cool to hear you on it. That's so amazing to be on. I've heard him mention you before. He he brings Damien brings you up. Damien and I go way back. Way. Yeah, he he brings you up anytime comedy comes in 
comes up. <laughs> That's cool because he talks to lots of amazing people at this point. Oh, yeah. Bill Hayes yeah. coming on, and you had Michael Imperioli, Andrea DiMatteo. Man, how cool is Michael Imperioli that you find out he's a. Uh... I know I I am I go to his meditation thing zoom thing on Mondays I'm I'm all I'm all imperially all the time that's so dope man (laughs) 24 7 yeah which is funny one last thing about Michael Imperioli he's he kind of looks like Guy Pichotto who who Guy Pichotto who's Guy Pichotto Guy or Guy Pichotto from from Ugazi okay I'm an idiot with names I gotta find this guy right now Look up a recent picture of Guy Pichotto. The guy. We did a show with Brendan Canty once. Oh, that's amazing. No, did I do comedy opening for Brendan Canty? Is that possible? Um, I'm not. I'm gonna have to look at this later and then just write. Yeah, look at it later. Yeah, post it in the episode description. Here is Guy Pichotto. Yeah, there you go. He. Oh, I misspelled his name. Margin Walker. What's your favorite Fugazi album while I'm loading this up? You know, I feel it might be might be Red Medicine. Oh, a little later be, on. Yeah, later on. It's either Red Medicine or The Argument. Yeah, those are the older, those are the later ones. Yeah, the later ones. I the mean, I love all their cool. shit. Arguments. The, it, it might be my favorite. It might be. It's an intense album. Yeah, this yeah, guy really writes of spring. Yeah. I'm only finding this... Uh, this picture that's like a side picture. So I'll just agree. I'll, I'll send I'll send you one where he looks send like me one with those guys next to each other. Yeah. And I will. uh send me Imperioli's number if you've got it. Oh yeah. <laughs> well yeah, honestly, Chris, if you ever want to come back on and talk about music or just do oh, like, yeah. uh, uh you know anything together. This has been so fun. Thanks, man. I love yeah. talking. Did you have fun? Yeah. I hope you have I love yapping about music. Yeah, but yeah, I also yeah. liked hearing your story. And there's so many oh, other things. things I want to find out. I want to find yeah. out about uh, the word fool. Oh, where yeah, that, yeah, Where that started. Yeah, yeah. We'll talk on the next one for yeah. sure. Okay, man. Well, All right, man. I'll let you go now, but it's, right. good, oh, it's so great to see you. Have a good one, yeah. dude. You too. Take care. Thank you for listening to my chat with Chris. Chris Estrada, great comic find him on twitter instagram all of those will be linked in the episode description uh see what's going on keep track put a google alert on his name he's got a pilot coming up he worked fred armison is a producer on it and matt ingebretson pat bishop jake wiseman who had the show corporate are involved in this pilot as well so it's going to be really exciting and i'm glad to see them all doing such a cool thing And yeah, I can't say enough for Chris. It was just really a nice time talking to him. And I hope I get to see him soon. And I hope you enjoyed this podcast featuring him. If you want to support Nick Flanagan Weekly, just go to ko-fi.com slash Nick Flanagan. Patreon.com slash Nick Flanagan. And you can find me as a podcast, Twitter, all that stuff. I'll put the links in the description of the podcast thanks so much have a great night or day or midday make sure you're hydrated Flanagan Weekly Nick Flanagan Weekly